We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 299. We got ourselves another special episode with one of the players that came on the show last week. I was able to talk with him, Josh Stowers. You know him as the guy that is now coming over for basically Sunday Gray after the, the shed long trade. So endo facto, Josh Stowers is now a center fielder, outfielder in the Yankees system. We had a really cool conversation. It was about 30 minutes and learned a lot about Josh, pretty much everything, you know, about his baseball and, and how he plays and the things that he does and the preparations that he makes and all sorts of stuff on the, on the field. But then we also, uh, I was able to ask a, a ton of questions about off the field and really get to know who he is. So I think it's, it's awesome when you find out more about these guys on the personal level, it gives you more of a rooting interest, obviously, and then you see them and what they can do on the field. So I'm very excited to uh, to introduce Josh to the the Yankees fans and hope you guys enjoy this interview. Give him a follow on Instagram and Twitter. All right, guys, here is Josh Stowers. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. Moved up from across the street, had to a different beat. Woke up 
All right, guys, I'm happy to bring on the show now Josh Stowers, who everybody knows obviously came to the Yankees just recently in the Sonny Gray trade. Uh, Josh, thank you very much for coming on the show and 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 being a part of uh, showing Sonny the door. Uh, I know a lot of fans are excited for that and also excited for you to get into the system. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, thank you for uh, having me in the first place. But yeah, I'm definitely excited to be part of the Yankees organization. Is, so is that something before we get into like your, your you know where you grew up and all this stuff because I definitely want to find out more about you um, and mm-hmm. uh, and you, how you grew up is that something that a lot of players and maybe it's just our our bias because we're Yankee fans but is putting on the pinstripes just one of those things like even if you're not a Yankees fan growing up that that is uh, you know an ultimate goal for a baseball player in general yeah I mean I just feel like everybody growing up I mean even like non baseball fans like. When you see the New York Yankees logo, you kind of just know who they are. Right. And being a baseball player, um, you know, it's kind of just like a lifelong dream of just like putting on the pinstripes at least one time. There's just so much tradition and so many great players who've played for the Yankees. And just like, you know, putting on those pinstripes is just something that maybe not every baseball player wants to do. But <laughs> I know it's just for me personally, uh, it would be a dream come true, you know, if I could play in the Bronx one day. Yeah, that'd be great. Obviously, um, I, I'm sure that some of the some fans growing up in the in the in the town a little bit north of us, you know, wouldn't appreciate putting some pinstripes on. But we don't want them wearing <laughs> our jerseys anyway, so it's all good. Uh, but uh, right. but you're originally from Chicago, right? So how was uh, how was growing up? Uh, I, I was looking through your Twitter feed. It looks like you have a, a very good relationship with your dad. I saw him clowning around, dancing to some music and stuff. So you tight with your family? What yeah. was what was uh, what was growing up like? Yeah, uh, growing up was, um, you know, played pretty much every sport. Um, didn't really have any focus on, uh, you know, baseball growing up. I played basketball, football, and baseball growing up. And my dad never really pushed baseball on me, even though he played baseball in college. Mm-hmm. But once I got to high school, I kind of realized what my path was going to be. So I started uh, to focus more on baseball. And uh, it's been kind of like smooth sailing ever since then. That's awesome. So you're not one of those guys that, because you see it today in, in a lot of in a lot of towns, and you know I see it with a lot of kids where they specialize, and they're like, you got to play one sport and one sport only, and and that you know they're doing like summer leagues and fall leagues and winter leagues, and they're probably right. throwing you know throwing their arms out before they're 12 years old. So you you saw the you saw the the positive things and the uh, advantage in playing all sports then. Yeah, I honestly didn't even look at it as, a, as an advantage. I was just playing all the sports all my friends played and just having fun with it. Yeah, you know, I really never took into the aspect of being any like type of competitor with any other sports until I got to like a serious level in high school. Uh, but just like growing up, you know, you just play all those sports just to be active. And you know, when you're like 11 or 12, you know, baseball is still kind of boring. You don't want to do that all year. Sure. So you switch it up and play football, and you play baseball, and you play all those sports just to like stay active and. I wasn't like a big video game person, so playing sports and being around my friends and being outside is just something I wanted to do. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think today, personally, when you see a guy that's played all different sports, you know, growing up and not just baseball, I mean, you're learning all these other things from basketball, uh, from football, you know, how to be a teammate in a different way, the the different aspects. I mean, look at, um, you know, just recently watching football this year and watching Mahomes play. I mean, that kid's thrown from right. ridiculous angles. Like, you could tell that he played middle infield at some point. Exactly. Yeah, he's throwing he's throwing balls from like lower than a uh, sidearm slot and yeah. with accurate passes. So I mean, you can see the benefits that you know playing different sports has 
uh, on a baseball player's career. I just feel like when you specialize at such a young age, you don't really tap to your full athleticism uh, that you would if you were, you know, uh, playing football or basketball or soccer or track or any of those sports that just tap into a different uh, aspect of uh, your athleticism. So I saw that you're in your feed again. I'm looking through just to, to learn a little bit about you. I see you're a big Bears fan. You must be happy with the way that that team looks this year. It's been a it's been a while, man, since like uh, what sexy Rexy, I think, since you guys have been been something going on there. Yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> it's been about since uh, 2008 when they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but uh, this year was this year was really uh, it was a really good season for Bears fans. You know, um, defense was unbelievable. Obviously, we got Khalil Mack and. He changed the entire team around. You know, obviously we had that unfortunate uh, missed field goal at the end, but um, I've got nothing but you know high expectations for the team going out from here. Yeah, it's crazy how that kid can just hit, hit that many posts. It's uh, it's it's one of those just freaky, <laughs> freaky weird things. You know, it's it's uh, that's like sports just does crazy things to you, and and it's a knife. Like there's no way it can happen again, right? And then it does, like craziness. Right. Yeah. That, that kick was just crazy because he hit the goalpost twice. Yeah. Usually, if it bounces and hits hits the bottom bar, it'll go in. But uh, you know, just wasn't lucky for him that it bounced out. And you like the Khalil Mack trade because they gave up a ton, right? They gave up. A, you think the, he's worth it to give up that much? The um, I'm trying to oh, think. Yeah, of, I mean, yeah, Khalil Mack's a certified superstar. So yeah. I mean, the impact he had on the Bears defense and whatnot, like you can't really. You can't really compare that to, you know, the potential of a first-round pick or whatever they traded for him. Like, they wanted talent now, and they got it, so. But how many first-round pick was it? Is it a few of them, right? It was the comparison I was thinking I think in my head. First, I think it was the first-round pick the next year and the year after. Yeah. But I'm not really too sure of, like, the full details of the trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, like, it's, it was similar to what the RG3 trade, that's what kind of reminded me of when the skins – right. um, and the the Rams were the ones that I think benefited from that. <laughs> Look where they are. So they they've they've put together the package. But that's a lot of pressure on the on the office to make sure that all those picks are right. Whereas Mac, you could tell, man, like that was big impact on the on the defense when they got over. So yeah. They're, they're a fun impact, team to watch. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely a fun season. But uh, I feel like once you know they only had one year together as an entire squad, and they lost their defensive coordinator. But I feel like you know just having that core come back. They'll be just fine next year, too. There you go. So growing up, were you a uh, a baseball fan, too? Uh, a Chicago Cubs, White Sox? Yeah, I was just a, pretty much just like a huge Chicago fan. You know, mm-hmm. um, growing up, you kind of like have your parents' biases, but we went to White Sox and Cubs games. We definitely went to more Cubs games just because even when they weren't good, you know, they always had a packed stadium and just the atmosphere was great. So I would probably say I guess I was more geared towards uh, – being a Cubs fan, but I never had really had any bias. Were you there when they uh, when they won the World Series? Were you in town? Go to any of those games or in the playoffs? No, I wasn't in town. That was actually my freshman year of uh, college. So when they went on to win the whole thing, um, I was watching from uh, from my room in uh, Louisville. There you go. Was there uh, was there a certain guy that you looked up to, even if it's not on the Cubs? Was there or even anybody that you try to emulate, or you know, maybe not take you know a complete emulation, but at least uh, look at that guy and say, "Hey, I love how that guy plays," or uh, "I love the style of that guy." Yeah, I mean, growing up, um, you know, we just kind of focused on like you know, there's not too many like 
huge like superstar black player. So growing up, I was a huge fan of Griffey. And then as I got older, I gravitated towards McCutcheon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, McCutcheon, Andrew Jones, like all those guys who play the same position that I play. And, uh, you know, kind of have similar builds and same games. So I've always watched players like that. I mean, McCutcheon's a perfect one, man. We saw, we, you know, we only had him for a short time last year after, uh, after he signed. But, man, he won. I didn't, I had never really followed him as closely, you know, obviously being with the Giants and then the, uh, and the Pirates. But, one, he's a clown and funny as hell on Instagram with his, uh, some of his oh, retirees. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he, the dude just plays the game really well, like just the right way. Um, he's a, he's, he's, I could see that as a, as a kid looking up to a, a guy like that being, that's a, that's a hell of a role model. Right. Yeah. I've always been a fan of uh, McCutcheon. I remember like when I first got on like social media and Facebook, a couple of profile pictures or just pictures of him instead of me and just, you know, it was kind of like the guys I tried to like emulate before I like really started focusing on baseball. Um, you know, just watching all those guys play was pretty much what I looked forward to because I really didn't have a favorite team, but you kind of had favorite players that I like to watch. So now this is a big question in the Yankees organization. We've had some players on uh, the show in the past, and we've seen what guys are posting on Instagram during the off season because that's usually when you see it. But are you a dog or are mm-hmm. you a cat guy? Uh, I have a dog right now. Actually, I have two dogs. I got a uh, year and a half old German Shepherd, and uh, have a little small toy poodle that I've had since I was about twelve. So she's about ten years old now. That's awesome. I'm I'm very glad to hear this. I really am because uh, sometimes I just <laughs> when, when when guys are running around with these cats, man. I, I don't. I just don't know. There's like a there's a part of me that that can't trust the guy. You know, with, with a cat for some reason. I don't know why. It's just personal thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's like having a neck tattoo. Like, it's just like you know. I just something something about that. <laughs> yeah i mean cats you can't really do anything with them they just do their own thing you know like dogs you know after a long day bad day you see your dog first thing they want to do is just run up to you and lick you and tails wagging and everything and you come home to your cat and you, it's just you don't even know where it is sometimes yeah and the, and their movements man they're too unpredictable i don't a dog yeah. a dog is there for for you and you only i i appreciate that i have a right. dog uh my my favorite player growing up was don mattingly uh my dog's name is maddie mm-hmm. after mattingly so um, I've had a dog my whole life and, uh, they're, they're awesome. So I'm glad to hear you're a dog guy. That's a notch up in my book. There's no doubt. <laughs> um, you went yeah. to, I to, love dogs. I mean, yeah. in Louisville, uh, my roommate had two, uh, two pit bulls and they were both sweethearts, probably the nicest dogs I've ever like been around in my life. Yeah. So I've been around dogs my whole life. That's awesome. Pitbulls get a bad rap. I had the, I had people, I had two pitbull like through college. It's, I guess it's sort of like a college mm-hmm. thing too, but, um, we had, we had one, I mean, one of the sweetest dogs, we called her mama because she was like the mother of all of our, you know, like all the guys there. And, um, yeah, yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're extremely loyal dogs. And I think that if they're trained a certain way because of that loyalty, you know, they can be uh, sometimes more aggressive, but again, it's, it's usually what happens with the owner. Yeah, it's definitely what happens with the owner because, you know, we, we showed, uh, cause their names are TJ and Lily mm-hmm. and, you know, um, <laughs> as soon as you see them, First thing they do is roll on their backs and want to get their belly rubbed. Yeah. And then as soon as you grab a frisbee, the first thing they want to do is just go play fetch. And I haven't seen uh, either one of those dogs ever bark at anyone, even like the little small puppies that they can easily just toss up in the air. Uh, they're just really submissive to the small dogs and lay on their back. And like you said, you know, it's just about how you train them because they're great dogs if you train them right. 
so I had an American bulldog when I was, um, it was out, I was out of college and she was like hundred pounds. Everybody walking on the street who didn't know what an American bulldog was thought she was a pit bull. But this dog, whenever I would take her out, I lived, um, I lived in like a condo uh, association area and you come down and there's just a, like the row of garages. And every time I would mm-hmm. bring her down to go outside, uh, like a lot of times across the, across like the driveway area, there was a, a little Shih Tzu that was like 15 years old, blind, like hobbling, like thing was, it was, <laughs> yeah. it was like the, it was beat up and it was, it was, you know, it lived a good life, but it was, it was on its last legs. And this, my hundred pound, um, American bulldog was scared to death of this little dog <laughs> and like leaning up against the yeah. garage as we'd walk by, like scared to death of this little dog. And everybody's like petrified uh, as we walk by. I'm like, don't worry about it. She, she, she has, yeah, I remember when I first got my, uh, shepherd puppy and you know, just a little shepherd, just full of energy, and both the little pit bulls, they were both super scared of her. You know, she's kind of like being real anxious around her. <laughs> they weren't, they weren't used to the energy. And anytime she wanted to play, they would get real scared. But then once she got a little older, all they wanted to do was play with each other. And we would come home from practice and everything, and they would just be wiped out, all sleeping next to each other on the couch. That's awesome. How do you, uh, so last dog question, but you get two guys who like dogs, you start talking about it. Uh, how do you, uh, how do you do that with the road schedule? Does somebody, do you, do you, do they go somewhere else or do you take the dogs with you? How does that work? Oh yeah. So, um, at school, you know, um, I didn't live with all baseball players. I had friends that were outside of baseball. So the guy who had the pit bulls, uh, he wasn't a baseball player. So whenever we had road trips, like the three day road trips or we leave on Thursday, get back Sunday, he would just watch them. And, you know, it wasn't really like a hard task or anything because I have my dog pretty pretty well trained. So she's not like a hassle and uh, better to play and flying over. Uh, so there was really no hassle with her. So, you know, they all got along so they could go and use the bathroom together and play together. So there was no issue. Cool. Uh, so Louisville, you went to play ball at Louisville, obviously. What was the uh, what was that decision like? Were you recruited other places? Why Why'd you choose Louisville? Yeah, so I was pretty much recruited by a bunch of Big Ten schools, and I had a couple of uh, other uh, interests from um, other ACC schools and a few SEC. But um, I just wanted my parents to uh, have a chance to see me play because mm-hmm. the drive from Chicago to Louisville is only four and a half hours. Okay. And then there's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of Southwest flights that go from Chicago uh, to Atlanta, but they make stops in Louisville, um, and so that flight's only forty five minutes. And so my dad was pretty much out there anytime he could be. Uh, so, like, you know, when he didn't have to uh, preach on Sundays and he's a pastor, he would be down there for an entire weekend. Very good. So your dad's a pastor. I didn't realize that. He seems – I was looking yeah. – uh, I saw him – or you retweeted one of the things that I guess he was wearing a Yankee hat. Seems like a very positive dude, yeah. so that makes sense. Oh, uh, yeah. He's just happy to see me living out my dreams, and he's going to be a fan no matter what team I'm on or what I'm doing. <laughs> That's great. Um, all right, so let's let's uh, start talking a little bit more baseball too. Now you, you were drafted second round by Seattle, obviously in 2018. Mm-hmm. So what was the um, one? You know, you're drafted, and, and then you you get to your first organization. You have a, a full year of pro ball, um, and then and then traded. So uh, kind of walk me back. Like what was what was your biggest takeaway with your your you know after your first year of pro ball? Yeah, I would definitely say uh, the main things I learned. Um, was just that how important sleep is. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, in college, you can you can get away with going to bed late a few days because, you know, you have that one midweek game on a Wednesday, 
and then you go to sleep at a normal time on Tuesday, but then you stay up late on a Monday. But in pro ball, you play every day, so you can't really be going to bed at, you know, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. And I learned quickly, you know, going to bed late and trying to, like, play every single day has a huge effect on your performance. So, you know, other than sleep, I would say just, you know, getting used to uh, playing every single day and getting the proper weightlifting schedule to where you feel strong and not weak. Right. But where you don't lift too much and uh, aren't able to, like, play properly. So if you could break yourself down in, in a, just a quick scouting report for everybody listening, what would you, uh, how, would you, how would you do that? Um, I would say, you know, I'm a line drive hitter all over the field. Uh, I'll take my walks. I'm pretty good at stealing bases, and it's uh, pretty much why I walk a lot because, you know, usually when I walk, it's within, like, the first three pitches where I'm trying to steal unless there's another play being put on by the coach. Uh-huh. But for the most part of my life, I've had the green light, so I usually just go. And I kind of use that stealing bases uh, knack that I have to help out the hitter because, you know, the scatter report is that I'll steal. So <laughs> it usually gives the hitter a good pitch to hit. Yeah. And so even if I don't get the stolen base, they've got a pretty good fastball that's going to be around the zone for them to drive. And then I can go first to third or even first to home, depending on where it's hit. And uh, defensive-wise, I play center, and I feel like I have the ability to cover a lot of ground and uh, save a lot of runs. So, yeah, that's a quick little two-minute scout report. Yeah, I like it. So if you're uh, the the stolen bases, and did you – whenever – I used to coach Little League and Pony Ball for, for about six or seven years, mm-hmm. and, you know, I constantly would – when I would teach kids how to, to steal bases, I would – I would give them, I would literally like make, make CDs and like little thumb drives and give it to them of Hen- of Ricky Henderson tape and show them just like his right. first, his first step and how low he would stay um, all the way through the base pass. So what are, are there some guys that you've, you've kind of taken some things from as far as the mechanics of stolen bases and uh, yeah, what, what are some little tricks that you have? Yes. Um, our uh, school of Louisville is pretty much known for stealing bases. We're pretty much top five in the nation every single year. Okay. And uh, we, do a, we do a lot of sprint mechanic work, and just like you said, staying low. Um, our strength and conditioning coach is focused on, uh, you know, having like your first five, six steps be low to the ground and uh, more of an extended stride. And then as you, you know, start to rise up, it's uh, more short steps, but mm-hmm. it's not, um, they're not choppy. It's kind of like a, uh, you know, like striding behind you, you know, just so you can increase stride length. And just stay explosive because it's only a it's only a ninety foot run, probably less than that with your leadoff and everything. And uh, one thing I do is just kind of I try to keep my uh, feet moving just a little bit, just so I'm not stagnant. You and, mean on, uh, when you take your my lead? weight on? Right, yeah, yeah. And so instead of just staying still, I just have just like a little wiggle, you know, mm-hmm. and have my hands dangling just loose instead of being all tensed up, just so I can get a better jump. And uh, I try to, like, have, like, some steps going to uh, second base, just little choppy steps. And uh, you can still get back from that position because you're still being athletic. Right. But I just feel like, you know, when you're standing still, it's kind of hard to go forward or backward. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Keeps that keeps that twitch active so you can uh, so you can, yeah, exactly. you can go either way. No, I like it. Um, that, that's one of the – I think a lot of people, when, when you're teaching it, at least that I saw with kids, like – 
they immediately they're upright. I'm like, you know, when you watch what, yeah. what Ricky used to do, and I think he's he's the best of all time. The way he the way he would do it, man, it was like those first, like you're saying, those first you know five strides or whatever it is, they were so long and powerful and almost like outwards, like he was uh, like he was yep. swimming or something. It was pretty 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 remarkable when you watch uh, when you watch him do uh, the mechanics yeah. and look at those. Those first couple steps are pretty much going to determine if you're safe or not. I mean, you could be the fastest guy in the world, but if your first couple steps are slow, you're going to get thrown out. Now, are you and going? Off, just, uh, are, you, are you looking at the pitcher and just exposing his move? Are you are you a first movement guy and you're like trying to guess, just you know where he's going? Uh, what, what are you looking at? You know, there's there's certain guys where you can pick up things that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certain guys they um, they turn their shoulder in before they go home. Uh, certain guys. Um, have like a knee bend before they go home where they sink into their legs. And, you know, there's just certain things you can pick up on. Um, you know, the scouting report that we would use at Louisville was just more than just what their pitches were. We would have film um, from all angles on um, different, um, you know, deliveries that they would have in the stretch and what the fly step looked like, what the long leg looked like, what their looks at second base were. So you just pick up on all that stuff. And, you know, in short season, you don't have all that um, – available to you just because you only play about 70 games so you don't have a scouting report on every guy because yeah. everybody's moving up and down but you know in full season you'll start to see from seeing every pitcher so many times that you can pick up on stuff they do when they have guys on base that's awesome i love hearing about it i love hearing the mentality of guys when they're on base and, and you know kind of what they're looking for um you are you just tweeted something out that was that was interesting to me the you were swinging a a balance bat and it was. It looked different right. than the one than ones I had seen before. Um, what? What? Can you just tell everybody kind of what it is, what it does, and like what the? Because I, I assume like ultimate goal of that bat is like getting your hands in the right place, throwing them at the ball, and it's just kind of training. Uh, but can you talk talk about that and what you use it for? Because it seemed like you really liked it. Yeah. So the balance bat is pretty much just a um, a balancer of your swing, I guess. Ironically, um, so if you get you know if you get really pushy. Mm-hmm. and uh, side to side with your swing or too rotational the uh the end knob of the weight starts to uh take over and the bat feels super heavy but you know if everything's lined up and you're slotted correctly then it feels like a normal bat even though it's heavier and uh since it's end loaded you really have to work to make sure that you're not losing your barrel and you're staying um on the proper you know plane um and like i said yeah i mean i like it just because it trains you and it'll get, it gives immediate feedback, so you don't have to take countless amounts of video. Yeah. And with the immediate feedback, you can tell right away uh, if you had, like, a proper swing and if your body was in the right position or whatnot. It just kind of helps you uh, self-organize without doing tons of drills and taking a lot of swings off the tee. Yeah, that's cool. It's, I mean, you can feel it immediately. You know exactly what's happening at that, in that moment. It's, it's, it's live-time feedback, so that's, that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, are right. There, are there other things that you've seen now, you know, being in a, a you know, pro organization, it seems like uh, Louisville had some good stuff too, but other, other training, you know, regimens or different activities that you, uh, that are your go-tos? Uh, yeah, you know, um, being with the Mariners, um, they are, they are big on, um, you know, developing the total athlete and, uh, not like, um, being so one dimensional, you know, getting swing mechanics and stuff. Right. So when I got there, they did mobility testing and whatnot, and they gave me a, Mobility programming, I've been doing that, and uh, my, my mobility has improved and whatnot. And, um, 
the hips aren't super tight anymore and I've just been able to uh get through lifts and not have like that next day soreness to where you can like barely function and uh it just kind of just makes you use your muscles that you haven't been using um uh, and ultimately you get a lot stronger when you start using um you know the muscles you haven't been using from increased flexibility yeah that's great I'm, I'm sure that's one of the, the biggest thing i mean you, you already touched on it saying that going from you know, not playing every day to playing every day is, is a big deal. And it, and it, you know, it kind of shocks your body. So your whole body has to get used to that, that, um, you know, that right. rigid schedule and, and, you know, getting used to being able to compete at a high level every day after playing that, that much, uh, and being a center fielder, um, you know, you're running around a lot and stealing bases and, you know, you're, yeah. you're an extremely <laughs> active player too. So. Exactly. So, yeah, I just feel like mobility is definitely going to help, like help you, you know, play play the most games that you can you know you'll always get like an off day that the manager's going to give you but the main key is not missing games from injury and just staying consistent you know once you get in the group you don't want to come out of the lineup right so once you get in a group you know if you get injured that just sucks and it just throws everything backwards and i just feel like increasing mobility and adding strength to areas that you couldn't access before for being too tight uh is only going to help you yeah, man. I mean, that's number one. I think from a lot of teams is they want to see guys stay on the field, right? I mean, they want they want their players to be healthy and and be able to play every day. I mean, that's a that's a huge that's a huge feat in and of itself with the amount of games that you guys all play every year. Uh, um, you know, along with all the the workout stuff and staying in shape, are you do you pay attention uh, a lot or, or or a little to analytics and and you know all the new information and you know. There's a ton of information out there, obviously, about defensive metrics and swing metrics and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Do you pay attention to this? Is this something that, that helps you, or are you more of a you know see-the-ball-hit-the-ball guy? Um, you know, I mean, there's definitely value in that stuff, but um, I don't put too much um, too much like interest into it just because I don't want to go to the plate having like a million different things in my mind. Right. So I'm I'm big on swing mechanics and stuff and like feeling stuff out. So I mean like when I hit I always have a tripod with me just to make sure if I have a bad day of hitting I know what it looks like compared to a good day. And I kinda go off a of video instead of uh, you know, like measuring a lot of stuff. Because ultimately you can't like go into the game thinking about um launch angle and stuff or else you're just gonna get carved up. You always gotta have a good approach. I mean there's guys who haven't had you know, the best mechanics, but if you have a good approach, you're going to hit. I agree with you. I mean, I like it. Uh, it's it's interesting to see how players do it because I know obviously a lot of teams and, and you know, the front office guys and the scouts and, and the analytics departments are, are using this to evaluate players, but how much a player uses it to, um, you know, to, to do, to, to, you know, adjust what they're doing on the field. I mean, the Yankees just uh, traded or just signed uh, out of Vino. And, you know, he has got a whole thing where he uh, he took over an empty retail spot in near in Manhattan and was setting up all these cameras uh, yeah, and revamped his career. Yeah. Did you see that? Like, so it's it's super interesting when he used a lot of the analytics and the technology and the spin rate. And I, I could see how it's mm-hmm. like super valuable. So um, it's I think it's uh, it's interesting how each player consumes it and uses it to their advantage differently. Yeah, I think it's just a touch and feel thing. I mean, there's always. For me, there's a thing I go by kind of, you know, just like feel versus real. Mm-hmm. You know, some guys, some guys, um, like some of the greatest hitters, think they swing straight down on the ball. And then, you know, you have the gurus who put up their video and say, no, they don't do that. But, I mean, 
you know, some guys feel like they swing down and just the way their body works, they may feel like they're swinging down, but they're really not. And, you know, some guys may have to think swing up in order to get on plane. So I feel like all like the analytical stuff is great. And obviously the numbers will help because, you know, you have your coach telling you that, hey, you need to swing more on first pitches or you need to let a certain pitch go because that's not a pitch you're hitting well. But yeah, that, that adds to your game. But, you know, you don't want to have too many things going on in your head when you're in the box. Awesome. Josh, hey, man, this was a lot of fun. Uh, really, really appreciate the time and, and getting to know you. Um, I know I'm excited to watch you uh, come through the system and excited to, to see you play in the Bronx one day. And I have a feeling a lot of the listeners of the show um, are going to be paying attention to your career, too. So we will uh, we'll be down in Tampa for a few days next next uh, couple of months. So maybe we'll catch you there. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.